Hello, my modern women. This is your host, Nicole Colantoni, the single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. Hello, and welcome back to another week of Sunday Dating Scaries. Guys, in this week's episode, Alana Dunn, the host of the Seeing Other People podcast, will be answering your most recent questions to do with how best to put yourself out there and attract a nice guy, how to meet someone when you hate online dating, how to communicate with your partner when you have very different communication styles, and how to enjoy your own company when you're the only single one out of your friends, as well as what tips will help you to get good at online dating. So guys, let's jump right in. Alana, welcome to Sunday Dating Scaries. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and make dating maybe a little less scary this Sunday. As am I. Okay, let's jump into question number one. So a listener wrote in and said, I was in a long relationship for around seven years, starting when I was 18. And it was a toxic and emotionally abusive situation that I'm still in therapy for. How do you put yourself out there again and attract a nice guy? Well, first of all, like I applaud you for, you know, being in therapy for it, even if you're in therapy for it for longer than you expected. Um, that's really the best thing you can do for yourself. And I also want to recognize, you know, it, this is a really tough situation. This started when you were 18. It was seven years long and you went through so many ups and downs in it and probably really high highs and really low lows. And these are like really transformative years. And so to experience that during this age in your like late teenage years, your early twenties, it's really, really hard to shake that and to get past those now like fears you have and walls you have built up. So I would say in terms of putting yourself out there again and, and attracting somebody nice one step at a time, slowly, but surely, and realizing like, you know, were there warning signs? Like, were there things where if you had kind of put your foot down or said like, no, I'm not okay with this from the start, would that have, you know, come out with a different outcome? Not to say it wasn't, not to say it was your fault that you didn't do these things. Not at all what I mean, but like looking back, are there things that you noticed that, you know, maybe you wished you had done something about or had cut things off sooner rather than later. So looking for, you know, figuring out what your red flags are and identifying them and not making excuses for them, I think is really, really important when you start getting back out there. And then realizing like, what do you need in order to feel safe in any type of relationship or dating situation? Is it more communication? Is it, you know, knowing where this person's at? Is it knowing what their relationship history has been? Figure out what you need and know that your needs are not too much. And it's okay to ask for what you need. It's okay to ask certain questions on a date that will give you insight into who this person really is and what's in their heart. So I'd say those are really like the best things. I mean, definitely stay in therapy and, you know, go easy on yourself. Don't be afraid to get back in the dating world. There are so many amazing people out there. And just because this one person hurt you doesn't mean everyone else is going to. Um, And just know what you need and, and know what your red flags are. So true. I feel like that's like such an important message because I feel like we all are trying to find the nice guy, but we're ignoring the the messages, you know, and the signs from the beginning. So it's really, yeah, like you said, just taking note of those red flags and being more mindful moving forward. 
Exactly. And know that your red flags are going to look different than someone else's. So maybe you'll see posts on Instagram that say like, here are red flags and here are green flags. And you might be like, no, like that doesn't sound right for me. Like everybody's experiences are different. So everybody's red flags and green flags are going to be different. A hundred percent. Okay. Question number two. Someone wrote in and said, I am struggling with online dating burnout and the pressure of feeling like you have to online date to find someone these days. How do you meet someone when you hate online dating? I feel like this question is so relatable. (laughs) I get this question every single day. And here's the thing. And I actually heard Tinks say this, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but I think it is so well said and something that everybody needs to hear. Just because we have all these dating apps doesn't mean that there's no longer ways to meet in real life. Like bars still exist. Restaurants still exist. Parties still exist. We just don't think of them as ways to meet people because we're so used to hiding behind our phones and using our phones as that method. So yeah, dating apps are there and that is a big way people meet, but there's every other way in the world that our parents met, that our grandparents met, that their grandparents met. Those things are still out there. So, you know, don't limit yourself. You don't have to meet every people online just because everyone else does. So, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, but you have to remember that you have to take those steps to put yourself out there. So go out with friends and wingman each other at the bar. Um, you know, you can sign up for clubs, you can sign up for organized sports teams. You can say to your friends, Hey, I'm really over the dating apps right now, but I really want to meet someone. Do you have anyone to set me up with? Say that to your coworkers. If you feel comfortable saying it to them, to your cousins, whoever, everybody knows people who know people, but they're not necessarily thinking like, Oh, Alana wants to be set up right now. Nicole wants to be set up right now. It's not at the top of mind for them. So you just have to remind them like, Hey, I'm really actively interested in this. And of course, if they're going to go out of their way to set you up with someone, you have to be open to going on a date with whoever they set you up with, but don't limit yourself just because dating apps are there. And with that, whenever you go out and are in a situation, whether you're on the train or at a coffee shop or at a party, don't bury your face in your phone. Look up, look around, be approachable, and also look for other people who are also approachable and approach them if you want to. <laughs> so like scary though, to, like people just don't approach anymore. I feel because we're not, we don't know how, cause we're not used to doing it because we hide behind our phones, but we all want to do it. And we all want to have the confidence to do it. And even if you don't have the confidence to do it, just Tell yourself that all you need to do is pretend you do for 10 seconds. Yeah, so true. So true. Okay, question number three. My partner doesn't meet my needs and we have very different communication styles. I don't know how to get him to see things from my perspective without him shutting down or becoming defensive. What do I do? So this is tough. I will say, you know, hearing my partner doesn't meet my needs is a little scary. And that could be a really big deal. And depending on what your needs are, that could truly be a deal breaker. That being said, I'm not just saying throw in the towel because your partner doesn't meet your needs. Obviously, you want to work through things and, and, you know, communicate and make it happen. But it seems like you're open to communicating. And when you try to do that, he shuts down. So I think 
one thing, I mean, first of all, I think couples therapy or counseling would be really, really helpful. And that doesn't mean your relationship is doomed if you go to couples therapy. So many people go, and I think it's such an incredible resource in becoming a stronger, like stronger partners and developing a stronger foundation for a lasting partnership. And it's something where you just have a third party there to help facilitate these conversations. And I think a really like crucial thing is going to couples therapy before, you know, things burst into flames. So definitely I'd recommend that if your partner's open to it. Um, but I would say like, ask him or ask, yeah, him, ask him what he needs, you know, because it sounds like open communication and being vulnerable and having these conversations is really difficult for him. And who knows where that comes from, but maybe say like, I really want us to, you know, have more of these open conversations. Like, what do you need from me to feel comfortable doing that? And maybe he needs it to happen when you're on a walk or when it's a weekend. So he's not focused on the work stress that he has, or, you know, maybe he needs to like, he wants to share his side of things before you share your side so that you can listen first and then digest and respond. I think really trying to, you know, cater to in a way, his needs, which is unfortunate because part of the problem is that he's not meeting your needs, but it might be this like reversal thing that you have to do in order to, you know, better understand him so that he can meet you there. It's so true. Like they obviously have different needs. So it's about identifying what those different needs are and then finding a middle ground. I love how you suggested maybe going for a walk because I think best when I'm moving so if I'm about to have a really stressful conversation, I often prefer to do it over the phone while I'm walk- walking because my thoughts are just a lot more clearer and like the stress isn't as like big for me. So I feel like that's such a great suggestion. Yeah, I love that you know that that about yourself. And I think that's something that we all have and we might not necessarily realize our preference for that. But if you actually are asked about it and you can stop and think about it, Like that would definitely be how I would want to have a serious talk rather than just like sitting down and staring at the person in front of me. Like I'd rather be side by side, like walking aimlessly even. And I think again, like having different communication styles is pretty normal. Um, And that doesn't mean that you can't communicate. That doesn't mean that there's a barrier that's going to stop you from communicating. You just both have to be open to learning how to communicate with each other in a way that works for the other one. And I think it's definitely normal between men and women. Men and women just naturally communicate very differently. Women are very good when it comes to talking and getting in tune with their feelings. And men are really natural when it comes to doing. So it's like Mm -hmm. that song and dance, just like, you know, figuring out what your partner is good at and what you're good at, and then trying to come together with it rather than like attacking them for not being like you. Totally. And I've talked to a lot of my male listeners about this, where they've expressed that they we're taught growing up, like, don't show your emotions. You have to be strong. Don't show your vulnerable mm-hmm. side because then you come across as weak. So men were literally trained to not communicate and be vulnerable and have emotions and show them, which is so frustrating for us as women when we're trying to date them, because all we want to do is communicate and talk and listen to them, talk to us about how they feel. And they're like, oh no, no, like danger can't do that. So it is a little bit of like training involved, but I'm sure it's also something that usually like they do want to do. They just don't know how, and they're kind of afraid to break that barrier. 
But also going back to another point that you made, I think timing is key. Like maybe don't have the hard chat when your partner comes home from a stressful day at work and just wants to totally. chill out. <laughs> I feel like we're yeah. just like ruminating all day. And then like the second we see them, we're like, you know, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, I, I heard this amazing metaphor and I have not gotten it out of my head since. And I tell it to as many people as I can. It's that a man's brain is a waffle. If you pour syrup on a waffle, it stays in its separate little compartments and you know doesn't bleed over to the other. A woman's brain is spaghetti. If you pour sauce on a spaghetti, it goes in, around, on top, below, to the sides, everywhere on the noodles. And it's like, we can't stop thinking about something. Like if we're stressed with work, but we also know there's like something going on in our dating life, we're, we're thinking about it all, all the time. We cannot compartmentalize it. But guys are just like, okay, like, that goes in that bucket. This goes in this bucket. That'll stay over there. Like I'll deal with that another time. It's so different. So different. I like, I really risk like admire how simple they can be sometimes. <laughs> so jealous. I, I envy it so much. It's so not fair. <laughs> okay. Question number four. A listener wrote in and said, how do I enjoy my own company and stop worrying that I'm going to die alone when all my friends are busy with their partners and I'm single and over dating? Deep breath. <laughs> Everybody take a deep breath. If you're in this boat, that's, that's step one is take a deep breath. First of all, just because all of your friends are in relationships doesn't mean they're happy doesn't mean they're in the right relationships. Doesn't mean they're with the people they're going to end up with. So it might seem like they're miles ahead of you. And yes, of course you want them all to be happy, but realistically, some of them are going to end up being behind you in the future in terms of, you know, that timeline and that those stages, it's really tough. And I've been the only single one in the friend group and over dating, but still wanting to find my person, but afraid that I'm never going to, it's really, really hard. Social media makes it even harder because anytime you go on Instagram or TikTok, all you see is happy couples plot twist. They're not all happy. We can't solve for those things. What we can solve for is the things that we do, how we occupy our time and the story that we're telling ourselves. And so I think the first thing is whether you're, you know, hitting up coworkers to hang out or you're getting on Bumble BFF or you're writing in a Facebook group, find other people who are in the same boat as you. It is so important to have other single friends and they can be new friends. They can, I've, I'm in Facebook groups where I see, like I live on the Upper East Side in New York city. I'm in these Upper East Side groups and there are girls writing in it every day being like, just going to shoot my shot here. Like a little nervous to post this, but all my friends are in relationships and I need single girls to go out with or single girls to like vent to about my dating shit. And there will be like 50 comments of other people being like, Oh my God, hi me. And then suddenly they're all in these group chats and forming these friendships, going on walks together, going out together. So there are other people in your boat who feel the exact same way as you. And you guys could really, really benefit from finding each other. But again, you have to put yourself out there. So that's one thing. Another thing is to really find ways to enjoy your time on your own. And this is something that I was really bad at until the pandemic forced me to spend so much time by myself. I did not enjoy my own company whatsoever. And it took me forcing myself to pick up hobbies and like learn to love adult coloring books and 
reading and all of these like little things where I started to feel like, okay, I am really comfortable with who I am and with spending time with myself. And, you know, sometimes I even prefer to spend time with myself as opposed to other people. So really trying to find what lights you up outside of another person. And I also do often see that when people do this and they, you know, figure out what about themselves they like and and really become comfortable being alone, that is usually when they do end up finding somebody. But you can't do it just to end up finding somebody. You have to do it because you really want to, you know, love who you are. At the end of the day, you're the only person that you can ever truly rely on. Like be your own best friend. You really do want to invest that time in learning to love yourself and learning to really know yourself and enjoy yourself on your own. Um, And then I think the last thing is, you know, I totally understand the fear of like, I'm going to die alone or, you know, like I'm getting, I'm in my thirties now. I'm in my early thirties. I'm in my mid thirties. Like my, my clock's running out. Time's ticking. It's over for me. I have talked to so many people through my podcast who found love in their thirties, in their forties and they, and, and even later, and they are so happy that that is when it happened because they got to spend all those years really figuring out who they were and what they wanted and what was important to them and building this life for themselves. And by the time that other person came into it, it was the cherry on top because they were already so full of life and love without even having that other person. And so I think, you know, really looking for people who have found love later, later in life and listening to those stories instead of, you know, just seeing the things on TikTok and on Instagram of like all these happy couples doing TikTok dances together and whatever. It's like, that's not real. And there are so many other people in the same boat. And there are so many people who have been in the same boat and who have found exactly what they were looking for. And, you know, I've asked them like, do you wish things happened differently? Do you wish you found love in your twenties and your like early twenties, whatever? And like, no, honestly, like I thought that entire time, like, why isn't this happening for me? And now it all makes sense. And I couldn't be happier. That is such an amazing answer. And there is so much to unpack here. Firstly, I really admire your honesty about not loving your own company at the beginning of the pandemic. And then like, I just feel like that's so true that often people meet their person once they learn to love their own company and almost get over the idea of meeting somebody else. They're just like so in love with themselves and their own life. And then bam, that's when they meet their person, right? And I just feel like that, you know, that is kind of like exactly what happened with me and my partner. And I was single for nine years, you know, and throughout those nine years, of course, I had like moments where I was like, damn, I really wish I had a partner. Am I ever going to meet that partner? But now looking back, I'm so grateful. I did not settle for anyone prior to him, you know, and it was a nine year slog in many ways. And of course, like you said, you compare yourself to these TikTok couples who are doing these dances, but that's just like 1% of their life. And that's what they're sharing with the world. There's another 99% where they're paying bills and probably fighting over, you know, who's like hogging the bed at night. And I feel like that's like the reality of relationships that we sort of turn a blind eye to. And like, Sometimes I even think, damn, being single was often a lot easier than being in a relationship, you know? So it's like learning to sort of like embrace that chapter as well. Cause you look back on it and you're like, was that my heyday? <laughs> and I was just totally. like rejecting it the whole time and resenting it, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, I love my boyfriend and I love being in the relationship that I'm in, but there are totally times where I'm like, oh, like I wish I could just, you know, go do this thing. Or, and I don't think there's a world in which I can't, but it just like, I don't know. I I feel like 
I now not only am I responsible for myself, but in a way I am responsible for him and he's responsible for me. And so I do always hear, you know, single people who love being single, which like, I never loved being single. So I'll never understand that. But they're like, they're like, I love that. I could just do whatever I want, whenever I want. And all I have to worry about is me. And I think that's actually a really cool mindset to approach it. And I think, yes, it's so much easier to be like, oh, like I'm single. I'm never going to find love. Like dating sucks. I'm so over it. But it's like, why don't you, you know, it takes a lot of work, but approach it from like, all right, like I have this whole weekend free. I can do whatever the hell I want. And I'm going to do things that make me really happy because I'm putting myself first because I'm me and I get to do that right now. What was it that you didn't love about being single? I really wanted to find love. I'm such a hopeless romantic. And I, you know, I really for so long attached my self-worth to being in a relationship and being wanted by someone else. And so whenever I didn't have that, I felt like, well, there's something wrong with me. Like I'm unlovable or why, why does everybody else deserve love? And I don't. And that was something that I really had to work through. And part of it was because I was in really, I'd been really, really unhealthy relationships and situationships in the past. And those definitely impacted how I viewed myself. Um, but I just, I really wanted to find someone. And, and like I said before, like until I was forced to spend all this time alone with myself, like I didn't like doing that. It, I felt uncomfortable. I felt like I always needed to be talking to somebody or with somebody or like even binging a show with a roommate. You know, I never wanted to just be on my own. And it took a lot of forced time to learn to like doing that. It took a pandemic. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> okay. So the final question is... I am pretty unsuccessful with online dating. I don't often get past a first or second date. Do you have any tips? Yeah, this is something I hear all the time too. So first of all, like you're not alone. Online dating is really difficult. I would say, look, you've gotten past the first part, which is getting dates. It sounds like you are getting dates. They're just not necessarily dates with the people that you're connecting with. So I would think really hard about what types of people do you connect with? So that way you can kind of, Filter. Revert. Yeah, you can filter for those people. And you could also even change your profile in a way that will attract the right types of people and deter the wrong types of people. And so let me give you an example. I was like, talking don't to this post woman. hiking pictures if you don't like hiking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I spoke with somebody. Um, she was a woman in her early 30s, and she was telling me about like she's been on all of these dates with people and like, or maybe her last 20 matches and 10 dates, there were only two people that she felt like she connected with. So I'm like, all right, tell me about them. And one of them was this guy who like worked for NASA and was really smart and like a literal, like astrophysicist, whatever. And the other one was a poet, completely different people doing completely different things. But what I was able to pull out from her explaining these guys to me was that she was really attracted to people who were so passionate about something. Yeah. It did not matter what that passion was as long as they had it for something. It didn't even have to be related to what she was passionate about. But what the problem she was running into was in these other conversations with people, either on the apps 
or on their dates, she wasn't figuring out if they had that. And if that thing was there for them, they were very like surface level conversations. And so what I actually recommended that she do is put a prompt in her profile and use the prompt. It was on hinge. It was the one thing I want to know about you is, and she literally wrote, what is one thing you're passionate about? That way she gets to connect with people early on, learn these things about them and end up on dates where they're talking about their passions. And then she can really decide based on that, like if she has a connection with them beyond that. So that really helped her, you know, get on dates with people that were more fit for her and that she was going to be more attracted to too. So I would definitely encourage you to do that, you know, figure out what about the last few people you've been interested in, whether or not they were interested in you back just figure out what it was that attracted you to them. And that made you feel a connection with them and made you want to, you know, get beyond more dates with them and get to know them better and cater your profile to finding that stuff out about somebody or attracting that type of person. Um, and yeah, like you said, like don't put pictures of yourself on hikes. If you don't like going on hikes, like your profile is really like your resume and you wouldn't say that you have some type of bizarre software experience. If you've, if you've never done it or if you know you're terrible at it, you know? Yet so many people do that. They actually like with their resumes, you know, they really do. (laughs) And then they end up in jobs that they're not qualified for. And they're like, what the hell is happening? The sky is falling. (laughs) Exactly. But do you think there is like a science behind like drafting a good dating profile? I mean, absolutely. I I really do. I think um, photos, I mean, I could tell you like, best practices right now. Photos, first of all, your first photo um, should not have sunglasses on, should not be like an artsy looking off into the distance. It shouldn't be a selfie. It should just be a clear photo where somebody can see what you look like. That is it. No filters, no hiding your face, no like weird effects. Um, You should have at least one full body picture. Even if you're self-conscious about how you look, I know I hear a lot of people all the time saying like, I gained so much weight over the pandemic. I don't feel like I'm in a good place. It's like, well, that's totally fine. And I completely can, you know, empathize with that. But you want to feel confident going into your date. So you don't want to be like, oh, well, I used the picture from four years ago. What if this person hates the way I look now? Because then you're not going to be able to actually focus on the date. You're not going to be present. You're just going to be worrying if they're disappointed. So you want to feel empowered. You want to know this person already liked my picture, knows exactly what I look like, knows what I'm showing up as. So I have nothing to worry about. So one full body photo, um, photos of you doing things that you enjoy doing, whether it's playing a sport, whether it's traveling to a place, but don't use an overused, like sitting on an elephant in Thailand or picture in front of Machu Picchu thing. Cause at that point, at this point, like those are tropes and people just laugh at them and they're like, bye, you're just like everyone else. Um, but show you, you know, laughing, being silly, being happy, use the voice prompts, use the photo captions, like utilize every part of your profile. And then In terms of prompts, what I always recommend is doing one thing where there's a question because people are really bad at starting conversations. So you want to make it as easy for them as possible. So one thing that where there's a question, one thing that's a list. And what I had on my profile was I won't shut up about. And I listed things that if you ask any of my best friends to say things about me that like anyone who knows me would know these are the things they would say. It was, I won't shut up about Sugarfish, which is my favorite sushi restaurant, which I'm going to in 45 minutes. Um, my dog, Zoe, the Jonas Brothers, and whatever song I'm listening to on repeat right now. And that gave somebody four pieces of information about me and four things to connect with me on. And 
Jake, my boyfriend who I've been dating for a year and a half, ended up messaging me about the Jonas Brothers. And we've now been to three Jonas Brothers concerts together and just booked flights to Vegas to go to two more in November. Um, so definitely do a list like that where you can really share traits about yourself and give people the opportunity to get to know you better. And then I like to also add in something that can lead to a conversation about a date. So if maybe there's a certain type of food you love or you love watching the sunset or you are obsessed with mezcal, you could do typical Sunday, like going for a bike ride in the park and then trying out a new mezcal bar. Do you have a favorite spot in town? Something like that where you're either mentioning a type of drink you like or a type of food you like or saying like, like looking for the best spot to watch the sunset. Do you have any recommendations? That way, it's so easy to go from a conversation into a conversation about a date into the date because you're literally suggesting things that you can do on a date. So that is what I suggest for making an all-star profile. And it's not that hard. It just takes a little effort. Yeah. It's just like simplifying things for the other person so that they don't think, oh, I'm like, you know, this person's so mysterious and complicated to understand. Like, oh, she likes this. How about I suggest that? (laughs) Exactly. You want to make it so easy. Alana, thank you so much for coming on Sunday Dating Scaries. This has been so helpful. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, that's it for the latest episode of Sunday Dating Scaries. Please hit me up with any questions that you have for next week's episode. I love you. This is your host, Nicole Colantoni of Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. See you next week.